in the last few weeks, I, I don't know whether you get the Telegraph, but they produce a, a, a weekly magazine. And how the press and how television in the last few years have become more and more occultic. It's incredible. And a few weeks ago they, they had an article about the Harry Potter books and um, uh, this guy had written a book. The new Harry Potter film will whisk fans back to the world of critics, Vila and three-headed dogs. But is there fact behind the fiction? And this guy, Roger Highfield, has studied J.K. Rowling stories and spoken to more than 100 scientists to come up with evidence that from Aragog to zombies, the supernatural may not be so far-fetched after all. And it gives all the definitions and things that come up in the films and how they actually do relate to the supernatural. And then, you know, there's a school in uh, Phoenix, Phoenix School. Yoga lessons are being given to kids to, they say, these children uh, have created calm and contentment among children otherwise frustrated by learning difficulties. Quite a frightening article on how they're influencing youngsters at these early ages into the various yoga positions. And as I say, I have a, an article at home which came from the official yoga magazine which says that even while doing simple yoga exercises, even while doing simple ones, you can gain things like extrasensory perception. Uh, and they said in the article, that isn't surprising, because you're opening yourself to other forces. But I thought it's worth bringing those kind of things to your attention. We need to be aware of what's happening in the world and what's happening in our newspapers and on our television. So let's get back to what we are going to talk about this morning. Numbers chapter 11. We read the first part of this and studied the first part of this last week, and we'll go on. The, the children of Israel were beginning to start complaining, which they seem to spend a lot of their time doing. We said about murmurers, didn't we? People murmuring. So from verse 11 we'll read, And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant, and wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father bears the suckling, the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favour in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. The Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with me. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee. That thou bear it not thyself alone. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for ye, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. 
and ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and it will be loathsome to you. Because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said, Thy people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. So that meant there were about 2 million people altogether. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. And there came, there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and me, Dad, do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord, Moses, forbid them. Moses said unto him, Enviest thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? And Moses got him into the camp, he and the elders of Israel. And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp. And it were, as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered at least gathered ten homers. A homer was about, I think, 60 litres. So they were gathering ten, uh, 600 litres. And they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people. And the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kerbroth Hatava, because they, there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kerbroth Hatava unto Hazaroth and abode at Hazaroth. A rather sad story really this, isn't it? We'll have to go on fairly quickly, I'm afraid. We saw last week the murmuring of the people against God and Moses, and both of them were displeased with the people. And see the people were yearning to go back to Egypt. They learned for the yearned for the garlic the garlic of Egypt, the melons and the garlic of Egypt. And we asked ourselves, do we still yearn for the world? Do we still yearn to have one foot in the world and one foot in the camp of God? 
do we conduct our affairs according to God's standards or to the world's standards? That's, that's what it's all about. Does this world notice the difference between us? And all this moaning and rebellion, it got to Moses eventually. We have pondered the, the failure of, of God's people. It's, it's rather sad. They got involved, Israel had got involved in the mixed multitude that had come out with them. All those people who were, who were dragging them down. They should have separated themselves. And we will be dragged down by the company we keep if we go astray. But you know, we, it's easy to say, oh, well, Moses shouldn't have, sh you know, sh Moses shouldn't have moaned like this. And should but you know, let's, let's look at ourselves. And let's look at what the record says about Moses. It says in Hebrews 3 and verse 5, And Moses was verily faithful in all his house. He was faithful. Wouldn't to God that we could say that uh, today, that I have been faithful in all my house. Wouldn't that be wonderful to be able to stand? But that's what the, the Spirit of God recorded against Moses' name. So let's not be too quick. And look at Hebrews 11, 24 to 29. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Well, he, was, he was prepared to stand up for the people of God, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the one. You know, we can't understand, we can't grasp the, 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 the riches of Egypt which were available. He was the son, he was being brought up as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And we, we, we see these graves which have been opened and the amount of gold and riches that they, they buried with, their, with their, uh, their, their princes and with their, their, their rulers. And he gave that all up. He gave that all up. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land when the Egyptians, saying to do so, were drowned. You know, Moses is recorded as being one who lived a life of faith in Hebrews. How wonderful, isn't it, that the New Testament, when, when in that list of the men of faith, it doesn't record all the failures of those men. You know, there are men in that list of faith that we say, how did Samson get into it? You know, how, how did so-and-so get into it? But God saw into their, those men's hearts and lives, and, and they recorded the wonderful things about those. The Old Testament exploits are recorded for our learning about them. That's what it says. That these things in the Old Testament about these men, they're recorded there for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. But the, the Spirit of God doesn't record them in the New Testament. But they're there in the Old Testament so that we can look and see how these men, they were real men. They were men like you and me who had failures and who had problems, and we see how they coped with those situations. And by looking at that, we can get comfort, it says, from the Scriptures, and we can have a hope. 
Men fail. You and I fail. We look at Moses and his life of faith and we have hope. It gives us hope. Because we can identify with these people. In verse 11 it says, And Moses said unto the Lord, Have I not found favour in thy sight that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I not found favour in thy sight, he said to God. He had found, he had found favour in God's sight. We know that. He had found much favour in the sight of God. So many wonderful things had been done through Moses. God had been very gracious to him in, in pouring so much uh, grace upon him. All the, he had been the instrument of the deliverance of Israel from slavery. He had found favour in God in that. He he'd led them out uh, to the Red Sea and they'd gone through the Red Sea on dry land. He'd been taken up to the mount to meet with God and spoke with God face to face. Oh, that, that, that was a wonderful experience. And he had been given God's law. That law which has come down through the centuries. Moses had been entrusted with that. But Jesse says, have I not found favour in thy sight? And he says, if, if you're going to deal with me like this, in verse 15, if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favour in thy sight. Oh, he says, if I found favour in thy sight, that's the way it is, kill me. I'd be better off dead. That's what he's saying, really. I'd be better off dead. So please kill me. You know, there were two men that this kind of situation occurred with. And if you look at 1 Kings, 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19, we have, we have the Elijah. Elijah, and he had, it starts here, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Elijah had stood out against all the prophets of Baal and he alone had stood up for God and we know the story of the conflict between him and Baal on Mount Carmel and how uh, God had wonderfully reinforced the, 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 uh, Elijah's stand for God and the, the prophets of Baal had cut up a, a sacrifice and they they, they tried to get their God to, to uh, accept it by cutting themselves and dancing around it in demonic dances. And then Elijah came and he poured water and water and water on top of his, his altar. And God came down in a wonderful way and consumed even the stones. And then the prophets of Baal were killed. And he had stood out like that. And yet, we come to... He lay under a juniper tree and as he lay there and slept under a juniper tree he said just before that it says in verse 4 he said oh Lord take my life away I am not better than my father's he, he, he suffered he, he had this he was being hounded by Jezebel and he succumbed to this self pity and what did he say he said take my life away Take my life away. Take my life away. 
And you know, in both these cases, the angel came and God spoke to, to Elijah and he says, go, go and appoint, appoint Elisha as your servant. He anointed someone else with the Spirit of God in order to help Elijah. In Moses' case, the, there were 70 men who were anointed with the Spirit of God in order to help Moses. God is very gracious. God is gracious. You know, these men could have, they didn't need extra help. Because when God gives us a task, he gives us the wherewithal to do that task. But you know, the most wonderful thing, I think, about both those men, if you look in Matthew, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 17, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. Oh, the, this wonderful thing happened. Peter, James, and John were taken up and Jesus was transfigured. His raiment became dazzling white. Verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto them, who? Moses and Elijah. Isn't that wonderful? The two men who said to, to, to God, God, oh, I can't go on, kill me. Those were the men that appeared to Jesus and talked with him on the Mount of Transit. That, that's a message of hope for each one of us this morning, isn't it? I thought that was wonderful. How gracious God is. And he overlooks the fact that we are but grass. He knows us. As for man, his days are as grass as the flower of the field. So he flourishes. He's wonderful. You know, in Isaiah 42, we're skipping around a little bit. Isaiah 42, they're talking about the coming Messiah. God treats us with such gentleness. And this fits in with the prayers this morning so so well I was really touched as we people were praying this morning 42 verse 3 talking about the, the coming Messiah he shall not cry nor lift up his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street a bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench a bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench the tenderness of Christ to the weak here compared we're compared to a reed worthless in the sight of men reckon a broken reed what use is it to anybody and you know perhaps in our own view we, we, we seem hopeless this morning we seem useless we judge ourselves unworthy of the mercies of God I wrote down last night you may feel weak in faith like a wavering reed tossed you know a reed broken reed you look down the river you see them, tossed backwards and forwards and you feel like that maybe today backwards and forwards by care by the wind of worry shaken with the temptations of Satan that is coming against you disturbed by many doubts and fears just like a bruised reed that's broken 
almost broken in pieces. No use. You feel broken in heart under a sense of sin and unworthiness. Your spirit bruised and wounded with a heavy load. On you, Christ does not lay a heavy load. But holds out that call. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He does not call you to service and suffering beyond that which you're able to bear. He'll strengthen, support and uphold you with his right hand. That's good. He binds up the broken heart. He pours in that oil and wine like the good Samaritan did to that poor man who was left half dead. He poured in that oil, that, that soothing oil, the wine which will heal. He encourages you, manifests his pardoning grace, restores and comforts and revives you. Broken reed he not break. Then it goes on to say, and the smoking flax he shall not quench. The wick of a candle, you know, you've all seen it, burning and gets clogged up and it's going out. He just won't go and he'll blow it out. He will come and he'll tend it. He'll take away the bits of broken wick that are there. And he'll encourage that light to, to shine brightly for him. And that's what he'll do with you and me this morning. And the next verse, it goes on to say, He shall not fail. He shall not fail. He won't fail us. Going back to, to Moses. Moses said, look at all these people. They're asking for the impossible. They want fresh flesh to eat. Where am I going to get flesh for this crowd? He says in verse 14, I am not able to bear all this people alone. Because it is too heavy for me. God will never put a load on you or me that's too heavy for us. Moses for a brief moment seemed to have forgotten the power of God. And the might of God. The, the plagues of Egypt. The redemption from Egypt. The crossing of the Red Sea. The awesomeness of the Holy Mount. You know something? Moses was right. He said, it's too heavy for me. Anything we seek to do for God in our own strength will, come, will be too heavy for us. He was right. It will turn out to be an impossible job. 
And let us learn that, I put that down, let us learn that simple lesson. We have to learn that if we try to do anything for God in our own strength, it's impossible. It'll be too heavy for you. And then in verses 18 and 19, God promises these people flesh. He said, I'm going to give it to you. Who shall... And you know, it says, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow and you shall eat flesh. <laughs> and Moses said, Moses said, how can these things be? He didn't exactly say those words. But you know, that's our reaction. That's man's reaction when, when they were presented with the promises of God. And, and he said, how can that be? How, how can these things be? Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus by night, he said, you have to be born again. How can these things be? Can't, it doesn't happen. God has said it. God has said it. Our answer is in verse 18, isn't it? It said, And sanctify yourselves against tomorrow you shall eat, for ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you flesh. The Lord will give us the answer to the problems. We say, man says, How can these things be? The word of God says, The Lord will give. The Lord will give us trust in Him. And then he reprimands Moses, doesn't he say? Is the Lord's hand wax short? Is the we need to make sure that we don't challenge God by doubting his word. Is the Lord's hand wax short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. You know what Moses went through his head when God said that to him. And they got quails. The quails came in on the wind and they were over three feet high all around the camp. They gathered and gathered and gathered. The smallest fellow, he gathered over 800 gallons of quails. God says, I'm going to come out through your nose. You'll be sick of these quails by the time you're finished. But you know, they got the quails. But Psalm 106 and verse 15 has a very interesting verse. It says, He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their souls. That's sad, isn't it? need to make sure that we ask a right when we pray. God may answer your plea but where he may send leanness of soul. The people suffered greatly at the hand of God because of their unbelief. There are lessons for us there. Just a few other thoughts going on to Moses verse 16 and 17 he complained you know that there weren't enough people to help him Moses lack of complete trust in God's help 
and he brought in these 70 people. God would have worked with Moses and given him the ability and the strength and the wherewithal to carry on as he was. But Moses was given the 70 men. He doesn't appear to, to, to lose out in any way, but you know, he must have lost out in, sense, in some sense of dignity or other in front of the people. But then you see, Moses was such a meek man and such a, uh, a lovely man. That thought wouldn't have come into his head, I'm sure. But he says, I will take up the spirit which is upon thee and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee. And you know, Jewish writers apparently compare this, this dividing up of, of the authority to the, the, the lamp in the sanctuary. You know, when they were lighting them, they lit the first one. And then they lit the second one. That When they lit the second one, the, the first one didn't get any dimmer. And when they lit the third one, they were all shining at the same brightness. God's power was available to you and to me. And because one person has it, it doesn't mean the other person gets a bit dimmer. You know, God gives us his spirit into our lives. God put his spirit on these 70 men and they all started to prophesy. And they were all able to uh, do the work in helping Moses. But you know, there were two men. And their name was Eldad and Medad. One, 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 one name meant God has loved and the other one meant love. Sincerity, love. They've got good names, these fellows. And they started prophesying outside in the camp instead of with that little group of the 70 in the sanctuary. And somebody came and said, those two men, they're out there, they're, they're, they're prophesying and Joshua said, go, go and stop them. Moses, stop that. But Moses had a lovely answer, hadn't he? He said, would to God that all the people were prophets. And you know, that, that, that's a lesson to you and to me. We can become too isolated. Let's not be isolationists. Let's be prepared to see that God does work with other people. And this is just finally in closing. You know, Wesley wrote a hymn about Eldad. I didn't know he did, but Eldad, I discovered it last night. Eldad and me, Dad. And you'll have to listen to it carefully because it's a little bit complicated, but I'll read it to you. Eldad, they said, and Medad there, irregularly bold, by Moses uncommissioned, dare a separate meeting hold. And still, whom none but heaven will own, men whom the world decry, men authorized by God alone, presume to prophesy. How often have I blindly done what zealous Joshua did, impatient to the rulers run, and cried, my Lord, forbid. Silence the schismists, constrain their thoughts with ours to agree, and sacrifice the unity of men to idle unity. Moses, the minister of God, rebukes our partial love, who envy at the gifts bestowed on those we disapprove. 
We do not our own spirit know who wish to see suppressed the men that Jesus' spirit show, the men whom God hath blessed. Shall we the spirit's course restrain or quench the heavenly fire? Let God his messengers ordain and whom he will inspire. Blow as he lists the spirit's choice of instruments we bless. We will, if Christ be preached, rejoice and wish the word success. Can all be prophets then? Are all commissioned from above? No. But whom e'er the Lord shall call, we joyfully approve. Oh, that the church might all receive the gift and spirit of prophecy, and all in Christ accepted live, and all in Jesus die. It's challenging, isn't it? Let's not be too curtailed, but to support those people who are prepared to stand up and preach the full gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.